tool for people to connect with the universe and begin to understand it. TalkZone.com, Internet Talk Radio. This is Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. This is David Spada along with my co-host Elliot Harris. Elliot, when you think of sportscasters, certain voices, when you hear them, you go, I know who that is. And the next gentleman we have on, his voice, when you hear it, you know exactly who it is. You go, that's Jack Whitaker. The guy's been doing it for years, but the voice is what makes him. He was calling those triple crown races for years, all four majors for golf. He actually covered the first Super Bowl, covered everything. And it's not just the voice, but Jack Whitaker had something actually to say. He wasn't just filling up time on a broadcast. His his verbal essays were well-crafted. He definitely was worth listening to, and he had, as I say, something to say. How you doing, Jack? I'm just fine, Dave. Elliot, thank you very much for those nice words. <laughs> I mean, they don't make broadcasts like you anymore. A lot of them are just basically cookie-cutter. You, like Elliot said, you gave something. The voice was there. You made watching sports enjoyable. I'm 39 years old, but I remember, listen, you cover the golf, the horse racing, and... In order to make golf interesting, is not easy. Well, well, I came along at a very good time. My timing was great uh, in the early days of television, and we kind of all learned together. And uh, I don't think I could make it today, to tell you the truth. <laughs> but I'm very thankful for the career I did have. Well, you were sort of like the Eric Severide of sports with your essays. Nowadays, it's just, you know, a couple of talking heads back and forth, back and forth, without giving up much thought. I'll assume a lot of time and thought went into your essays. Well, I was very lucky that the producers let me do that. Um, you know, they had to make a little time for it. Sometimes I got a minute to do it. Sometimes I got 30 seconds. But it was a great challenge, and it was something I enjoyed doing very much. Very scary sometimes, but uh, it was a lot better than... Uh, the road, you know, doing things by road. What and was your? I'm what, very happy to have the opportunity. What was your favorite moment in sports? My favorite moment. Oh, well, you know, I've been so lucky. I was in it so long. I saw a lot of great things happen. Uh, I suspect if I had to put one, I would say Secretariat's Belmont victory. Uh, but there were other great things. A couple of good master tournaments. And uh, an open, the open at Pebble Beach when Watson chipped in. I mean, there's so many, it's hard to pick one out. I'll tell you what, the Secretariat, my kids saw the movie with my parents, and then when that DVD came out, they said, Dad, we want it. And they're five, six, and seven-year-old girls, and I go, it's horse racing. <laughs> but that horse, basically, they want to watch that movie all the time. It seems like it's not just for sports fans. It's a great story. It was a great story, yes, absolutely. And... uh there was a lot of uh, people still today will tell you that, that he wasn't the greatest ever, but he certainly was the greatest horse I ever saw. Did you think that, okay, that's the last uh, Triple Crown winner we're going to see for a while? I think so. The way it, uh, the poor horse racing is going now, I mean, the uh, favorite for the Derby this year is going to have two races before he goes to the Derby this year. Uh, that's not what it used to be like. Uh, they break down too easily now from... A lot of medicines, and um, so we're, we're a long way from getting it back to what it used to be. Someone said that Secretariat, when he did the autopsy, his heart was twice the size of a normal horse. Yes, absolutely. 
And that explained a lot of why he did what he could do. You know, we talk about uh, drugs in sports with human beings, but with horses, it's, it's been around almost forever. And not to the benefit of the horse. You know, they, as you say, they, they become so fragile nowadays. That's true. Absolutely. Is there any way that we could somehow get back to a less impure world of horse well, racing? I, I don't know. I think one of the beginnings of that would be to get rid of all these medicines they give them. If a horse is not feeling good, don't race them. Um, I mean, the old days, just going back to the, the 40s and the 50s and even the 60s, horses were racing 15, 17, 18, 20 times. You don't find that today. The racing, I think, made them better. It made them stronger. Now they baby these horses, kind of like the athletes with like pitchers in baseball, and they can't do what they used to. That's right, exactly. How many pitchers go nine innings, huh? Not too many. <laughs> about as many as you get triple crown winners uh, nowadays. <laughs> what do you think about what's going on with Tiger Woods in golf? A lot of people said that these other players have caught up to him, physical fitness-wise, talent-wise, and... He's not going to break Jack Nicholas's record because, again, he's kind of like there's other people who are just as good as him now. Well, it's, it's kind of hard to look at the future. The man had so has so much talent, uh, and his heart was so much in it in breaking Nicholas's record and becoming the best golfer ever that I think he still must have a residue of that kind of feeling in him. And certainly, he has the physical uh, attributes, unless it. Uh, those leg injuries have taken something out of him. I don't know. I'm not uh, privy to any of that. But certainly he looks like he can come back to where he was before, or at least approximate it. Where he was before was so great, and it's pretty hard to get there. But uh, I think he still has a chance to catch Jack. It's going to be tougher. Each year it gets tougher. Uh, but I think it's too early to write him off. Well, and he's also still young enough. That, yes, you know, absolutely. He, he doesn't have to win two or three a year. That's right. I think part of the problem was he had the issues with his wife and it put a lot of pressure on him. But I think part of it's his management team and stuff. They, I think they pushed him to get married because look at two of the greatest golfers of all times, Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer. Jack had Barbara Nicholas, Arnold had Winnie Palmer, I believe her name was. Yes. And basically they were family men. Basically, you never heard anything wrong with them, and they had something to market. When Tiger was single, it's kind of hard to sing, market a single guy. I think they wanted to create this whole family guy image where all you could go into golf design, all this, and I don't think Tiger was ready for it. Well, you might be right about that. He certainly was. Uh, uh, getting married didn't really stop him, but it slowed him down a little bit, I guess, <laughs> where it didn't slow down Nicholas or Palmer. <laughs> On the court... On the course, off the course, whatever. But well, we won't That's get right, into yeah. we won't get into all that stuff. But see, Jack and, and uh, Jack was able to handle all those children he had, and, and uh, he, Jack was able to uh, put in compartments various phases of his life. His family came first, golf came second, golf design came third, and he was able to do that as good as anybody I know. So if we're building a Mount Rushmore of golf, do we have uh, Nicholas, Palmer, uh, Bobby Jones? Anybody else go up there? Oh, Ben Hogan. Okay. Sam Sneed and Byron Nelson. That works. 
Yeah, and then a few others, too. Tom Watson, I think, and Lee Trevino. There have been so many good ones, really. But the game has changed so much. The equipment has changed the game so much. It's hard to make comparisons now. you got better equipment, and the courses are so meticulously kept, you're yes, not going to get absolutely. a bad lie. Yep. You're right about that. You know, can you imagine what Sam Sneed would have done with the clubs oh, that they have today? This equipment and courses, <laughs> yeah, it's nice to kind of dream about it. <laughs> and what Hogan could have done, et cetera, et cetera. However, their records are there. And uh, it's hard, though, as I just said, to compare uh, the Hogan days with today because of equipment and the condition of courses. Jack, were you a golfer or you just covered it? Well, I tried to play. <laughs> what was your favorite course you ever played? Well, I... Valley Bunyan in Ireland. So I don't get in trouble here in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, every I'm a big golfer. Every golfer dreams of playing Augusta. Did you ever get a chance to play there? I played it twice. How'd you do? I was lucky enough, you know... I, on Monday after the Masters, they let the, the press go in and play. If you got up early enough, and of course I got up early enough to play one year. And how'd you do when you did have the chance to well, play? Well, not too bad. I'll remember one thing. Uh, that was the year that Tom Weisskopf took an 11 at the 12th hole, a par 3. And the day I played it, the day after, I took a 2. I birdied the hole. That's my biggest memory of Augusta. Well, you could have turned golf pro and given lessons to Weisskopf. <laughs> you could have made big money that way. Yeah, but I think that he might have hit like a, a nine or iron, and I had hit a five iron or something. <laughs> you know what I miss? The celebrity golf tournaments they would have. You had the Bob Hope, the Bing Crosby. You don't have that anymore. I used to enjoy like watching on Saturdays the celebrities play with the golfers. Now it seems like no one wants to do it, none of these actors. I beg your pardon, Dale? It seems like no one wants to do these celebrity golf tournaments anymore. Like, you used to have the Bing no, Crosby, the Bob Hope. Having, they're having trouble here with the Bob Hope here in Palm Springs. And uh, you saw last week at the AT&T, nobody was up. No, none of the big guys were there. The West Coast is in trouble. In fact, the PGA Tour might be in a little trouble. Why is that? Well, they're getting such competition now from the European Tour. And... Uh, Number one, two, and three golfers of the world, maybe, will not be playing over here too much. Because isn't the problem that European pays the golfers to play whether they win or not? In the U.S., you got to win to earn your money? That's right. That's one thing that I hope the PGA Tour doesn't change. The appearance money uh, lures a lot of the guys over there to the European Tour, although those players have gotten better, too. And uh, it's a good thing for golf. I mean, my goodness, why... Should we have had the monopoly on the best golfers in the world? No. Uh, when you go to a golf old. tournament, though, you want to think that a golfer has a stake in winning so that he'll make some money rather than, okay, he's already got his money and he's just going out and playing well, that's 72 that's holes. Tiger went over there and didn't play here. Yeah, Tiger's playing in Dubai because he got the big appearance money. He got L's over there. You got all the big-time players. Yeah, I, I don't particularly care for that. You know, what can the PGA Tour do about that to combat well, that? Well, I hope they don't give in and pay appearance money. I hope they just stick to their guns and uh, and make play on good courses and, and, and make them difficult as they can. Um, some of these course setups are so easy, they want to see a lot of birdies, you know. And um, 
But I don't know. It'll work out. It always does. Jack, I see you covered the Olympics. Did you cover the 1980 Olympics with in Lake Placid? No, I didn't. Did you do most of the I, mean, I did the uh, 84 Olympics, Los Angeles and Sarajevo. And I did Calgary and Nagano. That 84 Olympics, I'll tell you what, that was one of the best-run Olympics. And the guy who did it, Peter Ubroff, I remember that. He basically did a lot of stuff in L.A., and there was talk of him possibly being president of the United States one day because he knew what he was doing. He was a smart businessman. I think of all the uh, Olympics I was around, that was the best. And everybody said it was going to be terrible, the traffic would be terrible. It was it was wonderful. You got around easily. All the venues were accessible, and we got a, had a great competition, even though the Russians didn't come. Well, you know that was back in the days of the Cold War, and you know, yeah, mm-hmm. we we didn't. The United States didn't go in eighty to the Olympics with Jimmy and, Carter, and that retaliation right. was eighty four. They didn't come here. You know what? It's I'm it's bad. I kind of miss going against Russia, where Russia was the enemy. And that was the Olympics. You took pride in your country. Nowadays, it seems like the Olympics, it's, oh, it's every four years, summer Olympics, well, winter Olympics. And it's, it's pro athletes, too. It's not the way it used to be. Right. I miss the amateurs competing against the other supposed amateurs from other countries and us yeah. beating the, <laughs> beating those bad Russians or beating the, the East, East Germans. Germans. Yeah, they were different days then. Now I guess it'll be the Chinese against us or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to keep politics out of the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, and the Olympics for the longest time would would say we have nothing to do with politics when they had everything to everything do with politics. You're right. <laughs> but the problem with the Chinese is you don't know if the women are women or guys the way they look. <laughs> well, hey. some of them. We had that trouble with the East Germans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and understandably so. You know, you, you see what the drug testing did afterwards to some, yep. some mm-hmm. of, and what the drugs did to some of those people, and you go, well, I'm not quite sure what that is. Jack, who is your favorite? Is there someone you met who you were kind of in awe of, kind of like I am with you now, where you say, I can't believe I'm interviewing this guy? Was there what, Dave? Is there somebody you interviewed who you were kind of in awe of and saying, I can't believe I'm interviewing this person? Oh, oh, many times. My goodness. Uh, the first time I had an interview with Arnold Palmer, and he really didn't know who I was. <laughs> that was kind of an awesome experience. And... uh couple of presidents I've interviewed, that, that's kind of a, an awesome experience, too. Uh, yes, many times I've been, uh, you're always a little bit in awe of, of people who are the best in their field, you know? This Arnold Palmer, till this day, he's still making money. He's got that Arnold Palmer drink out, and the thing is doing incredible sales for Arizona iced tea. Yeah, I know. <laughs> But it's not the Arnold he drank, because from what I heard back in the day, it wasn't just half lemonade, half iced tea. There was a little uh, liquor in there. Well, it might have been a little vodka in there. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe more than a little. Who knows? Everybody I know drinks Arnold Palmer's instead of iced tea, though. Oh, exactly. I mean, it's at my house. I've got my refrigerator filled with it. i got my kids drinking it, my wife drinking it. Everybody comes over, give me an Arnold. And they don't even know who Arnold is, but they see his picture on there, and this drink is just taking off. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, everything Arnold ta- touches seems to turn out all right. Maybe he could touch Tiger and give him his power to get it back on track. Well, he might. He's won that uh, Arnold tournament, uh, Arnold Palmer tournament in Bay Hill a couple of times, hasn't he? 
I'll tell yes. you what. No one tells Arnold Palmer no. If Arnold wants you at his golf tournament, you're there because that's like saying no to the President of the United States. Yep, on both. <laughs> Absolutely. So I assume you still pay attention to what goes on on television. What do you think of this new brand of, I, I don't even know if we can call it journalism, that uh, we have out there in the world of sports? Where well, I don't, I watch um, as much as I can. Um, oh, things have changed. They're a different culture now than uh, when we were in the business. And uh, um, some of it is much better than it used to be, and then some of it isn't. Um, I think most of the guys talk too much now. We even talk too much in my time. But it is a picture medium, and sometimes it sounds like uh, a radio. But uh, basically, I think the, uh, the announcers today are better than they were in my time. They're more knowledgeable. I uh, just wish they wouldn't talk so much. Thank you very much, Jack. It was a pleasure talking to you. I wish you were still covering the PGA Tour and stuff. It would be a lot more exciting than some of the guys they have now. Well, thank you so much, Dave and Elliot. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. That was the legendary Jack Whitaker, a guy who just transcends time. That voice, you hear it, and you know it's Jack Whitaker. Well, I, I told my wife that we were going to have Jack Whitaker on it. Oh, you know, and she ranks him up there with in, in terms of voices, like with John Facenda, who was the legendary voice of NFL films. And she's from Philadelphia, so she's f- familiar even longer with the Facendas and the Jack Whitakers of the world. But, you know, what? I don't know if we can quite call him the Walter Cronkite of sports broadcasting. I mean, you had Jim McKay and Jack Whitaker, but I don't know how you you rise to a, a greater personality in the world of broadcasting than Jack Whitaker nowadays. No, I mean, the only guy I could think of who comes close is Bob Costas. Yeah. But again, you're listening to Sports and Torts. I'm David Spade with my co-host, Elliot Harris. Are we on TalkZone.com? TalkZone.com. You can listen to us, watch us there. You go to YouTube, pick up our videos. We're all over the place. We're getting tweeted, retweeted. But again, when we come back, we'll have on Major League Baseball Hall of Famer, Gaylord Perry. You listen to Sports and Torts here on TalkZone.com. If you're injured at work, don't try to be a hero and work in pain. Immediately tell your boss how you were injured and seek medical treatment. Then call my guy, attorney David Spada, to make sure that your rights are protected. David will fight for the payment of your medical bills, lost wages, and settlement. Insurance companies and employers have individuals representing their interests. Why not you? You must have an experienced attorney on your side. All fees are contingent upon your recovery. Call David Spada at 847-729-COP. That's 847-729-2667. 